Thanks for joining us today. You're not here by accident. I believe that God is going to impart a message of hope to you today. And at Summit Christian Center, well, that's what we're all about, bringing messages of hope to people here and around the world. You can play a part in this by simply going online to summitsa.com. That's summitsa.com and select giving. Your giving enables us to keep the messages going forward. Thanks for joining us today and may God richly bless you. I'm going to talk to you about the powerful proclamation of God's Word. And I need more than one week to do it, so I'll do it part two, again following. But I want you to stay with me. It's real important as I lay a scriptural foundation, then we're going to do what we just learned, and it's going to affect your health, your marriage, your emotions, your career, your finance, your current business, whatever the situation may be, this is going to be the answer. Not self-pity, not criticism, not murmuring, uh, not complaining. That is never an antidote in Scripture to a problem. But God does have an awesome weapon of mass destruction to come against your problem, and it's a proclamation of His Word. So we start. The Bible opens by presenting an almighty God who creates the universe by His spoken Word. Psalms 33, verse 6. If you're taking notes, it's a waste of time. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were created, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth. In other words, God said, God spoke something. Genesis 1, verse 3, and God said, let there be light. Verse 6, and God said, let there be firmament. Verse 9, and God said, let there be dry ground. Verse 11, and God said, let there be grass. And we've been cutting it ever since. Verse 14, and God said, let there be lights. And he created the sun, the moon, the stars. Verse 20, and God said, let there be sea. Verse 24, and God said, let the earth bring forth every living creature. Verse 26, and God said, let us make man. And God made man, and then he made woman, and God rested, and nobody else has rested ever since. <laughs> Just kidding. Notice two things. Nothing happens on earth or heaven until God says. Later, I'm going to show you that what you proclaim by Scripture in your mouth has the same power and authority as if God spoke it himself because he did. When you quote God's Word, when you pray God's Word, when you proclaim God's Word, you never pray in error, not when you stick with clear Scripture. And then nothing supernatural happens until God or His anointed representative on earth declares a proclamation in faith believing. Secondly, I just read to you eight times in Scripture, just in Genesis, where God spoke. In biblical numerology, eight is the number of new beginnings. Eight was the number of people in Noah's Ark, a new beginning for civilization. When you open your mouth and speak the Word of God, and you do that in faith under the anointing of God's Holy Spirit, you are going to create a new beginning. And I'm believing God this morning to give many of you a new beginning in your business that needs a financial breakthrough, and many of you do, that takes you from just enough to more than enough, to take you from need to abundance. 
It's when you attack your lack and you reverse the curse that Jesus redeemed you from through the power and authority of God's Word. He promises to make you the head and not the tail. God never promises you don't have to fight. That's a, that is absolutely a given in Christian life. Spiritual warfare is a normal event in Christian life. It is not a once-in-a-lifetime occasion. It is something you deal with on a weekly basis. I'm asking God to give some of you a new beginning in your marriage. Maybe it's become stale or stagnant. I'm asking God to give you a new beginning in your physical health. Some of you are a doctor's fantasy. We want to stop it. We want to stop it. Let them get a bicycle. Come on, quit financing their Mercedes and country club. Now, we have a lot of doctors in here, and I'm going to really get it after this. All right. But I'm believing that sickness and disease can be broken and crushed in your body by the anointed proclamation of God's Word that we're going to make, that you are going to make before we close this service. I'm asking that you get a new beginning in your emotional health. Some of you are bound by fear, resentment, uh, un unforgiveness through past offenses, physical addiction, bitterness, hopelessness. But I guarantee you today you can begin to experience a brand new start of joy. Joy unspeakable, God says. A peace that passes understanding. Confidence the world doesn't give you and that the world can't take away. Now Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God, not the government, not in a rich relative, in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. I hope you're catching the point. Somebody's talking here. Somebody's speaking, somebody's declaring something. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Now, let's begin with a question. What is a proclamation? The word proclaim comes from a Latin word meaning to shout forth. And that word shout is quite frequently mentioned in your Bible, even the Episcopal Bible, even the Methodist Bible, even the Catholic Bible. It is called shout. And I, I mean, I don't know how, I was taught to believe the Bible, but you just couldn't do it. That's dumb. Yeah, we taught, we're taught the Bible's the infallible Word of God. However, we won't do that, and we don't do that, and we don't do that. And that's passed away, and that's passed away. And about the only thing we can hope for is heaven, you know. And I thought, this is pitiful. Everything good they put in the millennium. And God says, no, this is for you now. To shout forth. Before radio and TV, how did they communicate? Well, a king would have a herald. The herald would go to the city square, lift up his voice and say, Hear ye, hear ye. If you've watched old TV, you know that. And he would make a proclamation from the king. It had the authority of the king behind it and the power of the government behind it. Now, that's what a proclamation of God's word is when you proclaim it. It has the authority of King Jesus behind it, and it also has the authority of his kingdom behind it. It is really something when you learn it. Now, it has the authority of heaven because it's the Word of God. In the New Testament, there's a related word for proclaim, and it's the word to confess. And the definition of to confess in the New Testament is to say the same thing as. 
You say what God says, not what you feel, not what you think, not what your mother told you, not what somebody else said to you. You say what God says all the time. And as believers, confessions means we say the words found in God's word with our mouth in faith. And then God puts his authority behind it and something supernatural begins to happen. Now, it's not my emotion that makes it happen. It's my faith that makes it happen. It's my confidence that God's authority over his infallible word has power behind it and it makes it real. Now, proclamation without faith and obedience is just cheap psychosomatics. You don't run around just saying something over and over and over again, and that's what makes it happen. That's self-brainwashing. But when you speak God's Word, and you do it in faith, now you're plugged into the authority of heaven, and that is a big difference. In that way, you and I set ourselves up to receive the authority of Jesus Christ, our high priest. Now, there are two scriptural connections you got to make at this point. Number one, Jesus Christ is the living Word. John 1.1, in the beginning, before anything was that is, was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. So it's describing a person. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh. That's the incarnation of Jesus right? And it, he dealt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. So there's not a doubt that that's Jesus Christ, and he is the living word. Jesus is not only the living word, but according to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, he is the high priest of your confession. Now, what does that mean? It means that when you proclaim, when you confess with your mouth exactly what God says in his word, and you are believing that, that Jesus, our high priest in heaven, releases his authority and blessing on that confession to accomplish the purpose of God. Now, you've got to be aggressive and active in spiritual warfare. Coming to church is not warfare. Coming down 281 is, but, <laughs> but not coming to church. That's not combat. So when you open your mouth and you recite the Word of God in faith, Jesus is backing that up in heaven, and you are waiting for it to happen. But you have to confess the Word of God, not your will. Laying your hands on somebody's new BMW in a parking lot and claiming it is not a confession. That's car theft. A proclamation is a word that brings victory in spiritual warfare. Victory over the world, over the flesh, over the devil. Victory over principalities and powers of darkness. It releases the authority of God into your situation, into your battle, into your crisis, into your soul, and into your mind. Other than that, if you're not going to do that, you're just going to take medicine or drugs or pull your hair out and be a wreck. And the enemy loves it. But God says that's not how you're to live. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. Suck it up but I've given you a way to have victory. I'm not going to take away the fight. So this is a word that brings complete victory. And by the way, without a complete victory, there's no victory. I don't want a five-to-five five tie against the prince of darkness. I want a hundred-to-one nothing slam dunk Steelers over New England. Anyway, sorry. I want a blowout in my favor, a total victory. I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry. So an anointed proclamation of God's Word 
is a weapon of mass destruction. It is a nuclear bomb in the mouth of a believer. Your proclamation makes demons tremble. Your proclamation, by the way, they know God's word. And they know when you know, you know God's word. And they know when you don't. Remember in Acts 19, the demons said to this man to try to cast him out, Jesus we know, Paul, no, God, we know all about him, but who are you? He didn't know who he was, and they leaped on him, tore their clothes off, and they fled. And that's exactly what he's doing to some of you, tearing you apart, ripping you up, having a great time because you don't know who you are, and you don't know what you are enabled to do. But God's Word tells me who I am in Christ. It tells me what I can do, and it tells me uh, what I have available to me. Well, I'm going to believe that, and I'm going to use that. I'm going to take the battle to the enemy. So your proclamation makes the barriers to your blessing fall down like the walls of Jericho. That's important. Your confession of God's Word can conquer sickness and disease. Your proclamation of God's Word in faith brings the financial breakthrough you need to take you from the pit to the palace in a day. When you're in spiritual combat, grab a Bible or go to the bookstore and get a list of scriptures related to any problem you might find. If you won't go there, you can Google. Google, scriptures for a problem of addiction, scriptures for a marriage problem. And Google, if you don't want to go to God or His Word, will print out all the different scriptures related. You take some of those verses and you recite them, you proclaim them, you obey them, and you shout those verses out loud because Jesus, your high priest in heaven, hears it and gives it authority and power, and your problem is crushed by the power of God's Word. Yesterday, we got a call from, about, from our tech guys, Nathan called, I believe, and said we're having all kinds of problems with our control board. We can't, we don't know what the problem is. Cindy and I jumped up in the kitchen. This is Saturday before 5 o'clock service, and I, said, and I said to her, and she said to me, the enemy knows what we're going to do today, and he knows that a lot of people are going to break some barriers and bondages, and he doesn't want it to happen. So we stood up and said, we bind you in the name of Jesus, confusion and disruption over God's Word. Stop it. We never had a problem last night. We hadn't had a problem today. Sometimes you could have a technical problem for goodness sakes. I'm aware of that. But under diagnosis, when they can't find out, aha, I know what's going on. And you ought to know too. When the doctor says, we just don't know what it is. That's a good clue. God does. And the enemy's right behind it. That's a clue. That's not infallible, but it's a clue. Well, Rick, how do you know? Thank you, brother. <laughs> and sometimes people will say, because, you know, Americans, it's like, well, how do you know if it's a demon? I don't know. I just shoot it. I don't know if there's a bear in that bush. I'll shoot it and find out what comes out. What do you got to lose for crying out loud? You haven't wasted anything. You haven't hurt anything. You haven't disobeyed God in anything. I can't wait around while I'm in a crisis to find out what, who, or which is behind it. I'm going to fight. I'm going to do what Jesus said. I'm going to speak to the problem with God's Word. Now, let's consider Moses and his rod. Moses had been on the backside of the wilderness for over 40 years. 
He's now 80, and God's calling him to go into Egypt, the place of his failure, to be the deliverer of Israel from Egyptian bondage. Boy, there's a good lesson there. You're never too old to do something great in the kingdom of God. Some of you got somehow 65 in your mind. That's when you quit. Well, when you quit, you die. You better be doing something. You better not quit. There's no such thing as retirement in the Bible. Every disease in Egypt will come on you. You'll die three years too soon. Retirement is terrible. People, every time we do insurance, or something, well, what, what is your age? What do you, when do you want to retire? I said, my God, I don't ever want to retire. I said, how about when I die? Has that be all right? When I die. But they're not used to people talking like that. I don't ever. I want to be busy and doing something in the kingdom of God until I take my last breath. And I'll bet you I do. I'll bet you I do. All right? So good lessons here. Some of you, knock it off. You're too old. You're at a place where you've got time to, to serve God. You've got money to serve God. You've got ability and skill that can help somebody. Get off your retired rear end and do something. Do something. Was that too hard? I'm sorry. So you're never too old in the kingdom of God. Moses was 80, when, and he just got started at 80. He lived to 120. He was a busy man, right? You know you're getting old when people compliment your alligator shoes, and you're just barefooted. That's not good. God doesn't want you to be conquered by your past. He wants to liberate you to live your future. You know, where you've been, that's not important. It's where you're going now that matters to God and me. Moses is 80, but he's lost his confidence. The confidence he had when he was the prince of Egypt. It's been 40 years. He's been assassinated by the Egyptian uh, press. He's a wanted man. They've got posters in every post office in Egypt looking for this guy. He's on the run. Now, Moses kind of likes the solitude of the wilderness. He likes the sheep he's caring for. He figures they're better than people. But God comes to him and says, I want you to go face Pharaoh down. And Moses says, not me. I can't speak well. I stutter. I, I can't do anything. Send Aaron. He's got a college degree. Not me. And God says, nope, it's you I want. Now, therefore, go. God will listen to your excuses. And then when you're finished, he'll say, now, therefore, go. Do what I told you. Now, bro Moses is a broken man. And God uses broken things. Psalms 51, 17. A broken and contrite spirit, God will not despise. It's broken ground that produces a harvest. It's a broken alabaster box that produces the fragrant aroma of perfume. It's broken grapes that produce the new wine. It's a broken rose petal that lifts and gives that beautiful fragrance. The broken heart is a heart that can sing the sweetest song. If you've been broken in a crisis of life, your finest hour is just before you. God is saying to you today, hey, the best is yet to come. Come on, Moses. You're going back to face Pharaoh, and the victory this time, Bubba, is going to be yours. Lift your head, Moses. Shout for joy. Square your shoulders. Clap your hands. Go back to Egypt. Kick Pharaoh and his snake charmers out and take charge of your life or somebody else will. Everybody in this room, everybody watching by live stream today, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a child of God. You are a member of royalty. You're a priest and a king. So would you please act like it, think like it, talk like it, and live like it. You're a child of the king. Oh, your house got broken into. Okay, go into this position. Or get mad and say the thief 
shall restore sevenfold. I'm going to be better off when this is over than I am now. And I proclaim God's word over and over and over. And so you, if you want it back, don't be a good loser to the enemy. Stop it. Now, be a good loser in chess or get smarter or something. Be a good loser in football when you did your best and somebody played better. But when it comes to spiritual warfare, don't you even think lose. It is not over till you win, until God's word is accomplished. So secondly, God asked Moses, what's in your hand? It was just a plain, ordinary stick, a shepherd's rod. Nothing fancy, nothing beautiful about it. And God commanded Moses, throw it on the ground. And Moses did. And it became a snake. And Moses ran. Proof, he was a smart guy. Hello? God was telling Moses, there's more potential in that ordinary rod than you can see. There is more potential in some of you ordinary folks than you ever dreamed of, than your parents ever saw in you, than people maybe now see in you. And one day they're going to say, is that you, Bobby? Is that you, Agnes? Why, I can't believe it. That's, that's what you want to hear. Yeah, because nobody, God, God loves the extraordinary potential hidden in ordinary people and ordinary things. He always has. So he says, what's in your hand? He says, throw it on the ground. And it became a snake, and Moses ran. Now, God was telling Moses, there's more potential in what I tell you to do than what's in your hand. I don't know if you have a college education, a Ph.D. You don't even have a GED. Just let me have it. You put it in God's hand. It's amazing what he can do with it. And then God told him, pick it up by the tail. (laughs) Now, most of us would have failed a snake handling seminar right there. God was telling Moses, look. Don't be so frightened at your adversary. I've got Egypt by the tail. I got control of this situation. Don't you be afraid. So Moses took it by the tail, and when he did, it became a rod again. Exodus 4, verse 20, calls that rod the rod of God. When Moses arrived in Pharaoh's court, he cast it down. It became a snake. Now, there's two different scriptures there. Exodus 7 is the other one. And these two magicians imitate it. They throw their rods down. They become snakes. Now we got two snakes fighting one snake. But Moses' snake killed and ate the other two snakes. And then he came back to a rod in his hand. I've often thought that rod might be a little bit thicker than it was before he started. He just ate two snakes. And so Moses has killed, uh, his snake killed and ate the other two snakes. And it's a declaration, the God of Moses was greater than the gods of Egypt. It was also a way of saying that when God begins a new beginning in a nation, in a church, or the life of an individual, the first battle that has to be fought is the battle of witchcraft, the manipulation of other people for control of their life. Some of you are being controlled by relatives, what somebody else thinks, what some economic group may think, what somebody in political thing may think, and you're not even you. You're under the control of other people. Don't let a gang, don't let a group, a special interest group, no matter what thing you're part of, don't let them have control of your life. And manipulation is part of witchcraft. At the Red Sea, when Pharaoh's army is pursuing the children of Israel, Moses lifted the rod of God, and the Red Sea divided. Israel walked over on dry ground. 
when they got over, the Egyptian army pursued, and then Moses lifted his rod up, and the water came crashing down, and they became fish food in one second, and God drowned an entire Egyptian army. When the children of Israel needed water, Moses went over and struck the rock with that rod. Now, God had told him, Moses, you hit the rock one time. From then on, speak to it. But Moses got angry with the people of Israel, and people can make you angry, and he struck the rock. And God judged Moses for it and refused to allow him to go into the promised land. He let him see it, but he wouldn't let him go in. Striking the rock again made the people look to Moses as the source of the water rather than God. And God was saying to Moses, don't ever think you're big enough to share my glory. The glory belongs to God and not a man. Also, Jesus is called the rock of our salvation. He was crucified, Hebrews says, once for everybody, one time. And Moses struck the rock twice. Bad, bad move. The only thing Moses was going to need for the next 40 years was this simple, ordinary shepherd's rod. Okay, now, getting close to the part we need to be in on. Listen real close. Every Christian has a rod of God, and it's the Word of God. It's the only instrument you'll ever need to do everything God will call you to do. Your Bible is the rod of God. It's a supernatural book. It has a supernatural author. You don't read it. Oh, brother, it reads you. And it is sharper than a two-edged sword. It separates truth from a lie, true, true news from false news, soul from spirit, marrow from bone, light from darkness, and good from evil. Your Bible is the bread of life. It is called living water. It is milk for children. It is strong meat for men. It is the spoken word of Almighty God. So proclaim it, speak it with authority and faith, and the water will separate, Pharaoh will drown, and the victory will be yours. Psalms 107, verse 20. Can you hang on three more minutes? Psalms 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them. So Jesus spoke the word of God at the Sea of Galilee, and the wind and waves obeyed him instantly. Sickness and disease were conquered when he spoke his word. Lazarus, come forth. And a dead man walked out of a grave. He rebuked the fever of Peter's mother-in-law. And it left. He spoke to it, it said. Fever be gone. This this is not part of the message, but if Peter had a mother-in-law, would you think he's married? So if he was the first pope, then he was married. Just want to leave that with you. Okay. It's amazing what reading the Bible will do. Make some people mad, sad, or glad. You you never know. But Jesus spoke to it. He didn't call 911. He spoke to it. Nothing wrong with calling 911. He spoke to it. I'm trying to get you to see proclamation of God's word has immense power. And you just come to church and let it, let it go, let the enemy, well, that was good, that's encouraging. And then you go through the rest of the week, you don't do it, and the enemy keeps on tearing you up. That's awful. Revelation 19, listen to this, verse 11. And I saw the heavens open. I behold a white horse. He who sat on it was called Faithful and True. This is Jesus. His eyes were flames of fire. He had on his head many crowns. Why? Because he's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And his name shall be called the Word of God. John 1, 
Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God. Verse 14, and Jesus Christ became the living Word, made flesh. Now all that goes together in Revelation 19, verse 15. And out of his mouth shall go a two-edged sword. That's the Word of God. Hebrews 4 says God's Word is like a two-edged sword. Did you hear that? So what's coming out of Jesus' mouth on that white horse? The Word of God, right? And with it he shall strike the nations. So he crushes and devastates nations by his Word. We're talking about the spoken Word of the living God. What will bring you victory in every dimension of your life? The spoken, proclaimed Word of God. What brings terror to the prince of darkness and to his demonic legions? The spoken, proclaimed word of God. Listen to Psalms 149, verse 6. Let the high praises of God be in the mouth of the saints of God and a two-edged sword in their hand. That's the word of God. To execute vengeance on the nation and punishment on the people. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. This honor have all his saints. If you're a follower of Jesus, that all is you. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind it in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I'll loose in heaven. Well, I don't think anybody will employ me. I'll never get another job. Well, you just loosed it. By your own mouth, you just cursed yourself. And God says, don't do that. And it goes on all the time. So that verse says, we have the power through God's word and through prayer of God's word to affect the direction of nations all through the power of proclamation and the power of prayer. God's word is also a medicine. Listen to Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, attend to my words. For they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. So God's word is the greatest health manual you'll ever read in your life. Verse 20, Psalms 107. He sent his word and healed them. Proverbs 10, verse 11. The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. There is a miracle in your mouth, believer. Proverbs 16, verse 24, pleasant words are as honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to your bones. But if your words are hateful and bitter and angry, they will poison you. The Bible says your confession of God's word in faith releases the healing power of God, which is yours by virtue of what Christ did at the cross. By his stripes, we are being healed. Isaiah 55, verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void. That means when you pray the word of God, when you proclaim the word of God, and you do it in faith, not a novelty, your high priest in heaven, Jesus, hears it and sends his word with anointing to the four corners of the earth to accomplish the purpose of God in your life or in your problem. If you ever catch this, folks, you're going to be unstoppable and a threat to the enemy the rest of your life. And every time the enemy sees you coming, he knows you know you have power to defeat him. And if the enemy knows these kids don't know who he is, he knows who does know who he is. You want to make, you, you, when your eyes open in the morning, you want all hell to go online saying, oh my God, she's awake. He's awake. We got trouble in paradise now. Now, that's important. Now, let's put this into practice this morning. 
Some of you need health and healing in your body. I'm going to ask you just to stand to your feet right where you are, and we're going to do what we just said. We are going to proclaim God's Word. I'm going to lead us, and you're going Now you say, well, Rick, I've had it over 14 years. Well, good. You won't keep it? I don't know. Let's, let's attack it. Let's see. I don't know. How much of it does God wish, and how much of it is not God's will? I don't know, but I know how to find out. Let's fight it. Let's just simply obey God, right? So I'm going to make a confession, and I want you to open your mouth this morning and proclaim it. I want you to shout it. Don't mealy mouth mumble. I'm talking loud. You talk loud, and we're all going to talk loud. Let's put hell online. So say with me, Lord Jesus, I make this confession in faith believing. You are my Lord and Savior. You are my great physician. You are my healer. By your stripes, I am now being healed. By your precious blood, I have victory over every sickness and every disease. You have set before me life and death. I choose life. You've set before me blessing and curse. I choose the blessing. I will not fear, for you are with me. Your word is my strength, my fortress, and my high tower. My body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am begotten of God. The wicked one touches me not. I will declare your greatness and bless your name forever. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings just like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I shall not die, but I shall live and declare the works of God. So I praise you, Lord, that the victory is mine in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Now you can be seated. Now some of you this morning need guidance and protection. Maybe you're under attack. Maybe it's a legal matter. Maybe it's some other kind of assault in marriage. I don't know. Maybe it's a custody issue. I have no idea. But you need guidance. Maybe you're at a new place in your life, not sure what to do. Stand up. We're up. And by the way, you can stand again. Some of you might be in all three categories. Just stand up. Now remember, Jesus is the high priest of our confession. He's watching over his word as we declare it to perform it. So say with me, Lord Jesus, I make this proclamation in faith believing. You are my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? You are the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You have not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a well-disciplined mind. When the wicked come against me to eat my flesh, to destroy my career, to hinder my promotion, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell 
Though an army gathers against me, my heart shall not fear. In this I will be confident, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. For in the time of trouble, He will hide me in His pavilion. He will set me on a high rock. My head shall be lifted up above my enemies. The Lord is the glory and lifter of my head. Therefore I offer sacrifice of joy. I will sing praises unto the Lord, for the victory is mine today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Now you can be seated. Now those of you that need a new beginning in your finances or prosperity, or maybe you're unemployed at the moment and there's a financial need, I want you to stand. And we're going to make a proclamation together again. Come on, this is one service. You get to do it. You're doing it. Say, Lord Jesus, this morning I make this proclamation. I do it in faith, believing your word is true. It is the Lord God who gives me power to obtain wealth. It is the Lord who plants me by rivers of living water. My leaf shall not wither, and whatever I do shall prosper. You make me the head, not the tail. You will give me houses I did not build, vineyards I didn't plant, and wells I did not dig, because I have honored you with my living and giving. The harvest shall return exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask or imagine. That harvest will be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I will be blessed going out and blessed coming in. I will be blessed in my basket and in my store. The enemy will restore to me sevenfold all that you have stolen. My harvest is coming. It is abundant. It is from God, the giver of every perfect gift. So I thank you, Lord, for a new beginning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now let's do one more. Everybody stand. This is one more that I like. It's my favorite, and it covers everything. Say, Lord Jesus, this morning I make this proclamation in faith believing that I overcome the evil one when I testify personally to what your word declares and what the blood of Jesus does for me. Through the blood of Jesus, I am redeemed out of the hand of the devil. Through the blood of Jesus, all my sins are forgiven. Through the blood of Jesus, I am continually being cleansed from all sin. Through the blood of Jesus, I am justified, made righteous, just like I've never sinned. Through the blood of Jesus, I am set apart, made holy unto God. Through the blood of Jesus, I have boldness to enter the presence of God. 
Through the blood of Jesus, God has made me his child. God is in heaven, interceding on my behalf. Satan has no place in me, and no power over me, and no claim against me. It has all been settled at the cross. Through the blood of the cross, I am free. Now, King David said, after his proclamation, Therefore will I offer sacrifice of joy in God's tabernacle, and I will give praise to the Lord. So for about 15 seconds, let's all do it. Really? Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Satan is defeated. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Lord. All power, all might is yours, O God. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit SummitSA.com.